live from Circa Resort and Casino, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. We're going to preview the Mountain West Conference Tournament in just a little bit. We had Jeff Linder from Wyoming on earlier in the show. Coming up, Nevada coach Steve Alford in about 30 minutes. But on the ground in Indianapolis, uh, the man on the scene for uh, LV Sports Network all week has been Q Myers. He's up with Cofield and Company with uh, Damon and Cofield. What's up, Q? Hey, man. How you guys doing? I appreciate y'all having me on. I appreciate you being there and and giving us the reports. Uh, First of all, you know what? I didn't ask you about the setup there. I didn't realize there was a whole big, it looked big, uh, Radio Row setup. How many stations are out there? And and, and, uh, this thing's a pretty popular event for media to cover and even podcasts. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's not quite you know Radio Row at the Super Bowl that we just experienced over there uh, at Mandalay Bay. It feels like just a couple weeks ago, but it's a nice little setup inside the the Jay Hoosier Corridor uh, Convention Center inside the Indiana uh, Convention Center. So there's probably about you know twenty different outlets, radio stations, and, and media outlets, and then there's also teams like I'm looking at the Patriots, the Steelers, the Colts, the Texans, the Bills. Jets, uh, the Raiders were here. They got out of here. So yeah, it's a it's a nice little handful of folks that are here representing, and more importantly, uh, for everyone in the media and even the coaches and GMs and scouts, it's also a great networking time. And that's when you find out a lot of different what's going on with these teams in and around town late night. How big was the news, and how big a topic was the NFLPA poll that came out and was pretty rough on some organizations, uh, in particular the Chiefs. Was that a big topic of conversation? It was just, it was like a conversation for a quick minute, right? And then it's like, okay, so what else is going on? Oh, hey, the big guy's about to go talk at the podium. Okay, cool. And that's done. It really wasn't a whole lot of anything. I think that that was more for conversation for just the media, for guys that are, you know, trying to fill segments on radio shows, not us, but guys that may not have as much, you know, creativity or uh, weren't hustling as much (laughs) to go out there and, talk to different uh, people and and I mean guests and all kind of stuff that you know people that are here so I, I think it was more of a filler I think everyone's kind of past that now so for me it's not filler because I think and I know what you're saying there it's super busy you got a lot of interview opportunities for me I do think there are owners who will not care at all what is said in that but yeah. my guess is that MD Mark Davis does care he does want his, I mean he's a player's guy so yeah. if he had gotten a lot of negativity and the negativity was pointed at Josh McDaniels I think Mark Davis would be hurt by it. He would listen to it. I think he would make improvements. Oh, there's no doubt. And I believe he did from last year. And the Raiders did really well last year except for, well, their coach. And, you know, they were talking about the time. Uh, They didn't feel like their time was being used correctly. And that was the reason why Mark Davis eventually fired Josh McDaniels because the culture wasn't there. Well, that all goes back to the head coach. So, yeah, I do believe that they pay attention to this, you know, and and it's just not – a big subject of conversation here uh, only because there's so much going on. But, yeah, they definitely pay attention. I mean, hell, Mark Davis said that he, you know, he talked to the people that are big-time players in the locker room for the Raiders just to get their pulse of just the direction that the team was going. Because, remember, that was a three-year plan. It wasn't a year-and-a-half plan for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. They were going to let them go for at least three years, but the culture got so bad that they had to pull the plug. And for Raider Nation, they're happy that they did. I don't know if Clark Hunt cares, but that's embarrassing for the best or best organization on the field to yeah. achieve at that level and then have the players say that this guy is the worst owner in football. It also gives big feather on the cap for Andy Reid, what he's had to overcome in terms of you know creature comforts and, uh, and needs. So um, I don't know. What do you think of that? What do you think of the Chiefs really calling out their owner? Well, I'll say this. I feel like 
they called out their owner, but at the end of the day, winning cures all, right? Yeah, they, they might not be happy with their owner. They might not be happy with everything that's going on from maybe their travel, you know, ac- accommodations to their weight room, locker room, whatever the case may be, things that they've been told was going to happen and be upgraded and they haven't. But you know what? At the end of the day, they all know that they have an opportunity to win as long as 15 is behind center. So they'll chalk it up and say, yeah, it might not be great, but it's still an opportunity to win, and it could be a lot worse. We could be playing for a team like the Jets. I mean, hell, McCole Hardman <laughs> called out the Jets for their situation. They are awful, right? And, I mean, he, he was a guy that was no longer with the Chiefs, uh, signed a free agent deal with the Jets, and then basically begged them to come back because it was so bad. Q, I do want to ask about some of the players there. Who have been some of the big-name college players that have said that they've interviewed with the Raiders? Um, Terrion Arnold. Uh, from Alabama, the cornerback, he did. And he he's a dude, man. He, he's a guy. And the Raiders have – obviously, the quarterback is the biggest need for the Raiders. But there's it's so funny listening to him talk, and we got to hear him earlier today. He said that he met with the Raiders, and Vinny asked him, well, how did that go? And he said, well, um, you know, I walked in there, and Antonio Pierce said, hey, man, what's your energy like? And he said, you know what my energy is like. Cut on the film. And AP said, yeah, I like you already. Right? It's just <laughs> – it was one of those – type situations a guy like byron murphy the defensive tackle from uh texas he's another guy that uh, spoke with the raiders and he told me straight up like hey i would love to play aside uh, alongside max crosby he would make my job that much easier and think about that guy and what has blown my mind guys about this situation being here and it kind of makes me feel old is that these guys that are here on the podium when they start being asked questions about like hey who's the guy in the league that you look up to you're like oh max crosby i've been watching him since high school and i was like wait what You've been watching him since high school. He ain't been in the league that long. And they're like, yeah, he was the guy I was watching growing up. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are so young, and I'm so old. But, you know, it just it, it is what it is. But it just shows you what Max Crosby, what he means to the league, not just the Raiders, but to the league because so many people look up to him. Talk about yourself, Phil. No, that made me feel old because I remember talking about Max Crosby when Raider Nation Radio first started us. Uh, he's one of those bright young players that they have. So it's, it's, it's going around. Just you saying that made me feel old. But when it does right. come to Max Crosby and he's talking about the younger players, it's like, oh, I grew up watching him and I would love to play alongside him. Do, do you think that there's any chance that if the first three, you know, the first three quarterbacks are gone, they say, hey, we missed out on the quarterback. They stay put at 13. Do they take someone on the defensive line or is it no way we got to We did that last year. We got to go another position group. No, I definitely think there's a chance that they go defense. I, there's no doubt about it. And when you have a defensive-minded head coach, there's a good chance that that could happen, right? I mean, and Antonio Pierce told us straight up when we had a little intimate sit-down with him, and it was only about six of us in the room, which was great. He said straight up, like, hey, the way that the Giants beat the Patriots when the Patriots were undefeated was having that nasty defensive line, having guys like Justin Tuck, you know, OCU Umanora, uh, uh, having guys like Michael Strahan, uh, having JPP, right, and being able to get that interior push. And uh, he was talking about Justin Tuck in, in particular, and, you know, he said, I, I, we got to get that. We got to get some of those guys. He even told us, hey, I wish that, I, uh, you know, the Raiders had more draft picks just because there's so many guys that we could add. You know, he talked about a third corner. Would love to have a corner across from Jack Jones. I mean, he mentioned that straight up. Like, could you imagine that? He said, Nate Hobbs in the slot, one of the best slot receivers or slot uh, corners in the league. Jack Jones, you know what he brings to the table. Could you imagine a third? A third, all of a sudden now, you're really nasty, but then you got to get that interior pressure. I think in particular, this is just me, you know, my gut feeling. I think Byron Murphy is the guy that he was looking at, again, defensive tackle out of Texas, and I think he was looking at either uh, uh, a Terion Arnold or even a, 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 a 
Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo, who made him uh, a big name for himself at the Senior Bowl and got a chance to talk to him earlier today. And he said that the reason I went to the Senior Bowl is I wanted to prove that I could hang with the big dogs. And they looked at me as a guy from Toledo, so I can't do that. Uh, I went out there and I dominated and showed that I can exactly do that. Hang with the big dogs. And he even threw out a number. DeMond, you'll appreciate this. He said, every time the ball's in the air, it's worth $2.5 million. So my goal, go get the ball. <laughs> Q Myers is on Cofield and Company. He's uh, been hanging all week doing shows at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. So, you know, you mentioned earlier about prepping and stories and people are always going to gravitate to the quarterbacks. And I yep. think you tell me if I'm wrong. I think what's happening right now in terms of the hype with Jaden Daniels is getting a little out of control. Tell people here in Vegas what's happening with Daniels now even being compared to we thought the guaranteed number one pick Caleb Williams. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, he could be the number one overall guy, and I don't think it's going to get to that point. I've heard a little bit of a buzz, and Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, he mentioned it. If I was the Bears and I had the number one overall pick, I would go with Jaden Daniels. He's got a, you know, better ball. He's, uh, you know, a more personable guy. He's more dynamic with his legs. Uh, you know, he's basically a, a, a better Lamar Jackson. That's who I would go with. I think that there will be teams that consider that. But what I've been told here at the Combine for people that are a lot smarter than me is like, Q, that's done. Caleb Williams is going to go number one. Justin Fields is going to go to the Falcons. Uh, we're going to find out about that trade sooner rather than later. And if the Raiders want Jaden Daniels, they better get up to number two. Not number three, like I've been talking about and many others have been talking about, but get up to number two. Because if you don't get up to number two, you might not get a chance. What's that going to cost? I think it'll cost at least three ones. Uh, because that's all the Raiders have. You can't go out uh, any further than three years. So if they had multiple first-round picks, they could do that. But it'll cost them at least three uh, three first-round picks, and really not even three first-round picks. It'd be a uh, a pick swap this past year. So 13 to, say, 13 to 2, uh, a first and a third in 2025 at least, a first and a third in 2026, and probably maybe Hunter Renfro. And it's funny, I, I was actually on with my guy uh, Craig Hoffman from a Washington radio station, and he said, what would your trade offer be? And I gave him that exact thing, and I said, and I throw Hunter Renfro in there, and he said, Hunter Renfro, slot receiver, take it, done, match. That's what the Washington commanders need. So look at that, three first rounds, uh, a couple third-round picks. You throw in Hunter Renfro, who, oh, by the way, is not being used by the Raiders anyway, uh, and Washington would take it, according to my guy Craig Hoffman. I think the Raiders would be up for that. AP told us, I'm a go-getter. Do what it takes to go get it done. Would you do that, or would you just wait for no, the, f the fourth quarterback to get you get to you at no. 13 or even wait in the, until the second round? No, I'd do it. I'd do it. I, 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 just, I think it's about time that the Raiders stop just settling, right? And it feels like at this stage of the game, and look, those other guys might be fantastic. Michael Penix might end up being the next, you know, the next second coming of the snake for all we know. But he also has the injury history. He's had, you know, multiple injuries at Indiana, uh, knee injuries, shoulder injuries. Um, you know, Drake May, I feel like he's losing a little bit of steam. So then you have Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy, and they could be good, but they might not be. So I, I just think that you've got to go with the familiarity. Uh, if AP is going to lose his job, and he, as he told us yesterday, hey, I, I got hired to get fired. Like, we all do. We're coaches. That's what, what happens. We all get hired for the same job. It's eventually, we're going to get fired. If he's going to put his name on the line, his neck on the line, I think he'd rather do it with his guy. So uh, I, wouldn't, I would not be mad if the Raiders decided to go and pull the – pull the trigger on that and go make a make a trade like that a big time trade move up to the number two spot and go get Jane Daniels and, and and see what happens after that Q keeping it on quarterbacks last hour we were talking to Brad Powers professional gambler and he said he would take the over 
four and a half quarterbacks being drafted in the first yeah. round. Do you think that outside of the top three that any quarterback deserves to get taken in the first round? We saw it with Will Levis last year where he yeah. had a lot of steam head into the draft, and then he ended up being a second-day pick. Yeah, I would take the over on four and a half quarterbacks as well because we know the first three that are going to go. And I don't know what order it's going to be, but Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jay and Daniels are going to go off the board quick, fast, in a hurry. I think at least two of the next tier of three will go in the first round as well. I can't guarantee all three of them will, but a combination of the Knicks, McCarthy, and Penix, I think two of those guys will definitely go. Uh, look, the thing I like about Penix, and I've liked him all, all year long watching him uh, lead the, the Washington Huskies to an undefeated season and fall short in the national championship game. If you give him a strong run game and you give him a receiver that can go get it, he can he can make some things happen. And I think that that's how he really succeeds in the NFL is by having a strong run game and uh, being able to uh, play off a play-action pass and throw the ball down the field. And that's exactly what Antonio Pierce wants to do. So for my money, I have Jaden Daniels as quarterback one for the Raiders. And two, I think that the best fit would be Michael Penix if the medicals check out. But it's a big if because, again, as I mentioned, multiple season-ending surgeries for Michael Penix when he was at Indiana. So if that works out and that pans out for him, I wouldn't have any problem with him being that guy. And maybe they pull Lamar Jackson and, and trade up and uh, get him at the back end of round one so they get that fifth-year option on him. I can see them doing that as well. The buzz around the NFL, folks, is that Justin Fields could be moving to Atlanta. Is that yep. what you're hearing? And yeah. who would step up to block that deal? Who could, who would be willing to pay a higher price for Fields over Atlanta? Uh, I think like Jim Harbaugh says when he says, who's got it better than us? And he says, nobody. That's what I think is going to happen right there. I don't think anyone is going to block that move to Atlanta. I think it's just about done. Talking to people like Courtney Cronin who cover the Bears like a glove. She's like, Hugh, everything I'm hearing it's a done deal. He's going to go to the ATL. And she's like, I just hope they hurry up and get it wrapped up because I got a vacation I'm supposed to be taking, and I don't want to be on vacation. And when the news breaks, and then I got to stop my vacation. So she's feeling like it's a done deal. Others that are very high in the NFL draft-type circles feels like it's a done deal. And when you get here bright and early in the morning like I do, about 7.15 Eastern time, a.m. Eastern every morning, you get to hear these uh, conversations from people, <laughs> like I said, that are a lot smarter than I am. Who would you not take in the top ten? Uh, our hometown guy, Roma Dunze, wide receiver, or tight end, Brock Bowers? Uh, I, I would take Roma Dunze for sure. So I guess I would have to eliminate Brock, uh, Brock Bowers. I like Dunze a lot. I, I threw this out there, Steve. I floated this idea. If the Raiders weren't able to get Jaden Daniels, how cool would it be if they were to find a way to go and get Roma Dunze uh, in the you – know, by 13, if they, even if they had to go up and get him a little bit, and then maybe find a way to get Michael Penix in round two so they can tie those two guys that played together at Washington together, similar to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase or Tua and Jalen Waddell or Jalen Hurts and, you know, Devontae uh, Smith, you know, those, those kind of combinations that we're seeing around the league. I think that that would be a hell of a one-two punch, especially because Rome could go and just, man, he goes and tracks that ball. He could probably track the ball with his eyes closed. Let's close out on this one. You want to go to Q's Twitter page, get all the coverage of what's going on in Indianapolis, including you did it again, didn't you? You just I like did. to torture yourself with the uh, the spicy shrimp. Yes, yeah, I did. And look, I thought, you know how you think that you're going to be better than you were last time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Last year, I might have stayed out a little bit late the night before, uh, okay. uh, networking, again, in air sure, quotes. Yeah. It's all and networking. so I got back to the convention center, and they were walking around. St. Elmo's was walking around with some shrimp with horseradish on it, and I didn't know the backstory of St. Elmo's shrimp. So they said, 
hey, do you want one? And I'm like, man, I got to put something in my belly. So hell yes, give it to me. So I ate it immediately, and it beat me. Man, that horseradish hit me in my eyes and my nose and the back of my throat. And, yep. I mean, I almost died, man. I looked like a, a, a man down. So this year I said, all right, I'm not going to let them get me because I'm prepared for it. So I knew they were coming around. I saw them, and I went and got them today. I was like, hey, I want another shot at it. They said, okay, no problem. We'll come over to your table. So they came to the table. They gave me another shrimp. I was good to go. I was like, man, I'm ready to do this. I ate it. The first wave – didn't hit me it didn't hit me hard right i was like okay it's a little spicy but i know how to accept this it's all good i didn't know there was a boomerang coming like oh, yeah. i didn't know that all of a sudden yeah. it was going to come back and slap me in the back of my head like i just got my hair cut and my mom slapped me because i did something wrong i didn't know that was coming so it got me again i didn't even expect it so right now if you're keeping score at home st elmo's two q zero <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you are leaving, uh, what, late Friday night, early Saturday? Saturday morning. Early Saturday nice. morning. i got to get my hair cut. Oh, okay. Priorities. <laughs> the priorities. <laughs> well, we appreciate the coverage. Uh, we'll try to check in with you tomorrow. And everyone out there, make sure you're listening to uh, Raider Nation Radio 920, one of our sister stations for all the great coverage as Q is on the ground around the combine and all the NFL scuttlebutt. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. Horseradish got him. I watched the video, and... He was. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm good this time. And then as soon as you take a, a deep breath, then it starts to get in the system. Then if it does get in your throat and your nose, you're screwed. I gave him credit, man. He did that on video. I was like, ooh, that is hurting. Yeah, once he did the little shimmy, that's when I knew he was in trouble. Uh, he, was, he did a <laughs> shimmy on video to kind of cover things up. I was like, he is dead meat on this uh, horseradish and shrimp. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, I'm glad Doug just mentioned the uh, release of the football schedules around the Mountain West Conference. We're going to try to catch up with uh, Nevada coach Steve Alford on the basketball side, men's basketball side, to talk about the tournament coming up. March 10th to the 16th is when that goes down, the women and the men. It's over at Thomas and Mack. UNLVTickets.com is where you can get the tickets or TheMW.com. So football schedule release. We'll break this down a little more as the show moves along. But hell of a beginning of the season as UNLV will open on the road two times in the first three weeks. A game to close out August. And these are against Big 12 teams in these two spots on the road game in August, August 31st, to take on the uh, Cougars of Houston as uh, they have a new coach, so I don't know what that means for this season, because Dana Holgerson was having trouble kind of turning the corner. So they'll go to H-Town August 31st. They'll be playing Utah Tech on September 7th. And the bowl game opponent, Kansas, which gave the Rebels a freaking handful with an explosive offense then they will go to not Lawrence they'll actually go to Kansas City because uh, Kansas Jayhawk football will not be played in Lawrence they're redoing the stadium there so my understanding is they're going to be playing at the uh, soccer stadium which holds about 20,000 so should be a raucous crowd for maybe folks who don't always get to go to Lawrence to watch the Kansas football game so we'll go through the rest of the UNLV football schedule in a little bit all the schedules were released today but Let's get back to a little basketball talk as uh, Steve Alford is on the horn with uh, Steve Cofield here. And 
Damon, coach, how are you? Very good, thank you. Well, we appreciate a couple minutes. Um, I just want an overview of your season because we can get into the specifics of the last game, which was wild at Colorado State. But um, give me your idea or your impression of how you guys have done so far in, in a very competitive Mountain West Conference. Yeah, we're obviously very pleased. We returned a lot of guys from uh, last year's team that uh, did some very, very good things. And now we're much more experienced, I think a much more mature basketball team. We've had We've been very, very consistent. You know, our November was great. Our December was great. We had some hiccups in in January, and then February we've been seven and one. And our February with the one loss was a one point loss to New Mexico. So, just very pleased. We've got the quad one wins. We've got the road wins. Um, and we're just trying. You know, we're one game out of first, so anything can happen. We're just trying to continue to play good basketball. I don't know that I saw you on the screen as we were watching the game at CSU. Um, obviously, you're on the sidelines. Were, was your mind already on overtime as you guys are going for the half-court shot? No, not yet. Uh, obviously, I had to prepare for that if that came about. But uh, yeah. we knew we had we, we knew we had a time for one dribble. And, you know, we you never know. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it's getting close to March, so there's crazy things that happen. So... Um, you know, just try to get the ball to, you know, Jared is arguably our best shooter, and he just he made a tremendous play. But, um, you know, we wanted to see if we could get a basket, get a shot up, and just see what happens. But had it not gone, gone in, we were obviously ready to get to overtime. Can you talk about Lucas as a, a person? I saw him, you know, talking to Nevada Sports Night afterwards, and he was uh, expressing his faith and maybe – you know, there was a little divine intervention after he had missed the free throws. What kind of kid is he? Well, Jerry's a tremendous individual. Um, I don't know. Is he a big-time leader for us on the court? But um, off the court, he does so many good things for us. So uh, we've talked a lot about that, you know, whether it's been in our chapels or, or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, it was uh, somebody that shoots 90% from the line, uh, actually 92 um, misses three out of four. That doesn't happen very often with him. And to tell you how good of a foul shooter he is, he missed three free throws in that game, and he's still shooting over ninety percent. So, um, yeah, it was a different plan, but it was a special plan. I saw you mention after the game that uh, yeah, we practice half court shots for these situations. How much do you practice them? And uh, I don't know, are guys making them all the time in practice? Well, it's. It's kind of a joke, really. It's it's we just always end the night before or shoot around the day of. We've we just always done uh, half court shots to end that uh, coaches versus players. So it's it's not like we say we're practicing it, but it's just a competition to end practice prior to a game the night before, and um, we we laughed with the players afterwards because coaches are up seventeen to twelve on the year. And oh. we get, we gave them a couple extra since they made a half court <laughs> shot in gameplay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to give them a little bit extra. Steve Alford's with us, the uh, head coach of the Pack, as Mount West Conference tournament's going to be here in Vegas. Thomas and Mac, March tenth to the sixteenth. The MW dot com is where you can grab the tickets. The other impressive thing, not only coming up with a clutch shot uh, for you guys at CSU and winning that game, is there was no Keenan Blackshear for you. So, I mean, Tuck. We know what he's like in the you know watching this rivalry, but uh, talk about how impactful he's been and, and you know you miss him for a game that's a big deal. 
Well, it's huge. You know, for us to uh, win on the road at Colorado State in the first game without Keenan, that's the first game we've been out without, without Keenan for two years. So to be able to do that at a place like that against a team like that uh, just speaks volume again, I think, just the maturity of our team. And we had a lot of guys that play well, which is encouraging. And we hope to get uh, Keenan back soon. I think we will have him back soon. But um, in the meantime, to, to get that win and have other guys step up was huge. Coach, before we talk about the rest of the conference, I do want to take it back to that game against UNLV when you guys were down here in the Thomas and Mac. What was that atmosphere like towards the end of the game? Because we had Danny Sprinkle on, and he mentioned after Utah State got their win, he got flipped off by an elderly lady as he was leaving the court. Did you have a similar experience? No. No, I, I did not. Um, you know, again, I've I've been doing this a long time, and I've had a lot of battles with UNLV both as a player and and as a coach. So it's, um, you know, it's not something I concern myself with. But, um you know, I, I will say this. I think you're seeing it across the board. Not, and this is not UNLV. I'm, I'm talking about across the board in college basketball that we we can't keep preaching about sportsmanship, and then we have something like the net and and the things that are factored in the nets running the score up. Um, you know, and I think you, you've got a lot of hostility and uh, that's happening in the stands. Um, you know how how you're talked to now is a lot different than what you were talked how you were talked to ten years ago. I know that has changed, and I do think it's going to put a lot more pressure on game management in everybody's arena um, from start from the start the storming of courts uh, to the verbiage that is being said to the student athletes. Um, I think that that has definitely changed. I'm glad you brought up the net. I don't even know if you care enough to get an explanation, if there is an explanation, but it was kind of interesting. You get that big win on the road against Colorado State. You moved up minimally, and I think Boise State actually moved up a little more in terms of I think you guys moved up four spots in the net. They moved up like six uh, after blowing out Air Force in the second half. Do you have an understanding of what, what you guys are supposed to do? I mean, you mentioned running up the score. Is that the key? Well, I think the net is just one metrics. Uh, Ken Palm, then you're going to get into all the quadrants. I do think the most important thing, uh, from just what I've been able to get over the years is what you're doing in the quadrants. I think that's the as far as when you as far as getting in. I think net, Ken Palm, other metrics are done uh, to help with seating and how that goes. But um, when we look at our resume, you know, we've got we've got the most quad one wins in our league. Uh, we've done very well in in all the quadrants. I think we're the um, one of the few teams in the country that. As I think there's only three of us, maybe Carolina and uh, Creighton have six quad one wins plus seven road wins. You know, so we've got winning records in each of those quadrants, and that's huge. So I think we've done an awful lot. We still got three games left before we get to the conference tournament, and we got to continue and improve, continue to get better. But um, I love the way our resume looks right now. You guys are bunched up with Utah State, Boise State. San Diego State, UNLV, and New Mexico, all within two games of first place. For you, those teams I just mentioned, who was the toughest matchup in terms of game planning and execution against? Yeah, that's hard because uh, I think we're, we're, our league's so deep um, and, and we've got on any given night, home or road, wins can happen and losses can happen uh, just because of the parity. And, you know, those seven teams uh, that you mentioned – 
I mean, anything can go. You've got to play good basketball, regardless of the preparation, regardless of style of play, um, and regardless of where you play the game. You're going to have to play well to win. And those seven teams in particular, uh, I think, are very, very dangerous, and I think we're one of those teams. And most of those seven teams that we've talked about are have a lot of age to them, have a lot of experience to them, and there's a lot of maturity in all those teams. So they handle the pressures of road games and they handle the pressures of you're getting towards the end and you're trying to build resumes and those type of things. Uh, so it's really about who's going to be playing the best basketball. And fortunately, through the last eight games, uh, we've been playing very good basketball. How about the best player in the conference in terms of matching up where you really got to pay extra attention to in the game plan? Yeah, again, a very difficult question because you got you got Ladie at uh, San Diego State, who is an incredible matchup inside. Osabar is the same way at, at Utah State. We just played Stevens uh, at Colorado State, and I think he's he's one of the more special players that have have played in this league. You know, I think there's balance at UNLV that makes it very difficult playing in out with the guys that they have there. There's not just one guy on the inside or one guy on the perimeter. New Mexico is the same way. Good depth inside and very good guard play. So it's just like that's a that's a hard question to just name one because um, you know you're probably not one of these top teams without having a lot of really good players. So you and the Rebels are going to face off in the final game, and there could be a lot of implications uh, in, in that game. I heard you guys are pretty close to a sellout, and I think is uh, Javale McGee coming back to be in attendance. We do have Javel coming back, which is uh, that's a special night for us, just to honor a great, great uh, former Pack player. Um, his mom and I go way back. I didn't coach Javel here, obviously. I was somewhere else, but uh, Javel's mom was on the '84 Olympic team the same time I was on the men's team. So we got double gold that uh, that Olympiad. So it'll be cool to to see her again uh, and just honor Javel for the incredible career that he's had both at Nevada um, and his professional career. Well, we appreciate the time. Thanks for carving out a couple of minutes for us, and we'll see you, uh, well, I will see you and, uh, and the Rebels because I'm on the broadcast team there. I'll see you up in Reno and then a couple of days after that uh, here in Vegas for the tournament. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Steve Alford, head coach of Nevada. Come on. They almost got to 5-0. and They were on the verge of being 5-0. and uh, Kevin Kruger against Nevada and Alford, and it just didn't work out, man. Just didn't work out. I will tell you. Say it. Well, <laughs> as bad as the, and I understand it's a rivalry, as bad as the Air Force game was, sometimes when you lose a game like that, you're pissed, but it was like, okay. It was, you got boat raced. You know, it just didn't happen. Second half, it just, the, uh, no comeback happened. It just got worse. That one, the loss to the Wolfpack might be the, the most arduous one for Rebel fans to, get over and I'll tell you it's I mean obviously up there it's not easy to win um I wonder how pissed off people are going to be if they if they wind up getting swept which could very well happen if Blackshear's healthy man can't think about that Steve can't think about that can't think about that we got to go up there get a win I don't care if it's sold out well I you know the the crazy thing is and it's nothing against the Thomas and Mack or the fans Kevin Kruger kind of got at it last week and or last night in the Kevin Kruger radio show just about how bonded the team is when they go on the road. They've got six wins in conference on the road. They're six and two. 
on the road against some places that have been completely quiet, other places that have been incredibly hostile, like New Mexico. They were right there with four minutes left uh, before they faltered a bit down the trench against Colorado State. So I'm pretty confident they can go up, you know, as long as nothing bad happens injury-wise, that they can go up to Reno and take them out. Of course, Steve. Of course you're confident. I feel pretty confident about it. Well, I'm predicting a win right now. It's always – oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's it's a weird matchup. Blackshear is awesome, but for some reason under Kevin Kruger, the combo of defensive players from big to small on Blackshear has disturbed his game. And he did come up big with a, a massive basket, you know, as the Rebels kind of fell apart there, relinquishing a 62-55 lead with about three minutes left. But the rest of the game, man, I think he finished with seven turnovers – he was in foul trouble. He was frustrated. So they do have they've had that advantage in this matchup. But I t- tell you what, they got to figure out a way to slow down Nick Davidson because the sophomore looked like a he looked like a super senior down the stretch. All right, grab bag is on the way. We'll close things out here at Las Vegas as we're hanging out at Stadium Swim. Remember, not only do we have the uh, viewing party uh, coming up here, the VGK viewing party this weekend, but Mania Under the Sun is going down. In the third week of March, that's Mania Under the Sun at Stadium Swim, Circle Las Vegas. Uh, the first session here of parties is going to be March 20th to the 24th, 28th to the 31st. And then you can watch the uh, the end of the whole thing, the end of the uh, big tourney. Uh, you got the heated pools out here, the cabanas, uh, game time snacks and drinks, and the 143-foot screen to watch uh, simultaneous game action Simply no better place to be in March than Circle Las Vegas. Mania under the sun at Stadium Swim, but book your spot now. It's important. Lock it up at CircleLasVegas.com. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Bunch of stories to hit down the stretch here with Damon Cofield hanging out, Stadium Swim, Circle Las Vegas. Um, first of all, Damon, update on a story yesterday because uh, you had sent us over breaking. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson has been given permission to seek trade by Jets GM Joe Douglas. The update on this is if anyone is going to trade for Zach Wilson, the Jets are going to have to eat a lot of money. So they're going to feel the pain of their mistake of drafting this guy number two again well steve i mean think about the good times that's all i can say to you were there good times <laughs> you got you, no he had that one game there, yeah, there, that, there, that, were, that, there, there was one game this season i remember right but didn't he, he look spectacular uh i think the bar was so low for him that anything positive he did was great at a spectacular we know he's i mean i guess he's qualified to be a what would you have him ranked as a backup in the second half of the backups? Like 16 to 32 backup? Yeah, somewhere around there. If you gave teams the option, him or Joe Flacco next year, everybody's taking Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, Jets should have taken Joe Flacco back the way he played. Or, you know, who knows? Joe Flacco may have flopped again in New York if he had been brought back as a backup. Let's give a little credit to the Browns and Kevin Stefanski for being a really good coaching staff. Uh, back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Do we want to go on a run of relationship talk here with Let's stories? Shohei Otani just signed a $700 million deal. We don't get to know who he got married to? No, Steve, and I don't like in, in his release 
to announce that he is now married. He right. also put a picture of the dog on the release, you know, because that was the last thing that he was keeping a secret from us. Even the name of the dog, who, if you translate it, his name is Decoy. Now we know his name of his dog. He's just giving us little by little. But I got news for you, Shohei. That's not how this works here, pal. Well, you don't get to be secretive. We want to be invasive and we want to know everything. $700 million that not we didn't give you, the Dodgers gave you. But you know what? You're going to have to give us a little bit more. You're going to have to be a superstar more than just on the field, more than on the baseball diamond. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's already set the path that he's going to be very private and we're going to have to deal with it. Instagram post about getting married. He's got seven and a half million Instagram followers. He said to all my friends and fans throughout, I have an announcement to make. Not only have I begun a new chapter in my career with the Dodgers, but I've also began a new life with someone of uh, my native country of Japan. It was very special to me, and I wanted everyone to know I'm now married. That was it. That's it. That's all you got. Even the announcement. Well, is that married I mean, or you know, he, do you he blame him? his girlfriend? Do you blame him with the news around both Jerry Jones and Tom Brady? <laughs> like what we do, what we do around marriages and sticking our beak into different things that maybe we shouldn't know about. For Tom Brady, for uh, let's go. Let's talk about Tom Brady first. Uh, you think he ran the forty as a diversion for people, a distraction? One, he ran the forty, and it turned out he actually ran faster than when he really ran the forty when he was a college prospect, right? Yes, he was uh, a tenth of a second faster. I think it was five point two eight compared to 5.18, which he ran. And I know it's advertisement for No Bull, but... I didn't, know it was, I didn't even know what it was for. I'd... Uh, no Bull, the company. What is that? Um, an athletic apparel company. Oh, it is? Okay. Sometimes you may see them. I know when they first came onto the scene, I thought it was a division of Under Armour. I was like, oh, so this is a part of the Rocks line with Under Armour, you know, because he also has the Bull logo. But, no, this is an t- entirely different company. Uh, last year, so I'm assuming they are this year. I haven't watched any field work. They are the sponsor for the uh, Combine with all the players. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, I get it. I get it. So he actually ran faster, what, roughly 25 years later, 23 years later? Yes, he did, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give him that much credit. What do you mean? I'm not giving him that much credit, Steve. I know that he's older and everybody, hey, but he's 25 years older. But the technology is also better. Okay, so then we should give credit. To modern medicine. Yes. So then, after seeing that, shouldn't we show more respect to, say, NFL players of the 70s and 60s that if <laughs> they were living clean, they would have been better? I mean, it, it, that is pretty crazy that at whatever he is now, 46, that he could run a better time than when he was 22 or 23 years old. They probably didn't even try to correct his form when he was coming out of college. They just said, go uh, out there and try your best. His, You know what? They ran him side by side. The, uh, the run yesterday and the original run, his form, he was like hunched over when he was coming out of college. Like, who runs like this? Exactly. A couple of weeks with a speed coach back in the day, he probably could have ran under a five. Get back in the bag, please. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So we know that uh, this distracted us for a day, Tom Brady's 40 time, from the news that came out that he believes – and people around him believe that Giselle was uh, cheating with this jujitsu guy well before the marriage ended. Poor Tom. True. You got you to manage these things. And to this point, I guess Jerry Jones had managed it pretty well, but apparently the courts are telling him, uh, you know what, you got some paternity claims out there. Yes, you're 100, 
uh, it's time to submit to a paternity test. I mean, how how horrifying is that for his family and uh, all, all, someone in their 80s? I don't Sorry, think Jarrah. I don't think it's horrifying at all. No. I think they know who their father is. They're probably just uh, upset that he wasn't able to keep it under wraps. What, the news of the kid or the production <laughs> of the kid? Oh, I get it. The news of the kid. Yeah, you snuck it in there. The news of the kid. I mean, of course that Jerry Jones is going to be out there. What's the word you like to use? Stooping? Stooping in this yeah. case, yeah. Yeah, around. Stooping like a madman. But why not? If you know it's yours, give him a, however many couple of millions. And don't ever contact me again. Back in the bag. I'm not saying it's right. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, we talked about licking ice cream as males yesterday because a guy in Fox News said it's not manly. Did you have a licking ice cream experience last night? Steve, it was serendipity. I pull up at the gas station. As I'm walking in, a guy is getting into his car. And this is a big, (laughs) not big bodybuilding wise, but big and I wouldn't want to fight him big wise. Really? Yeah, so I I wouldn't want to try to take this guy on. a, A man's man. A man's man. And Steve, he is going to town on an ice cream cone. He was laughing away? He takes a couple of licks, but then he goes to bite. And so yep. I, I'm, you know, after yesterday's show, I've got to say something to him. I say, they sell ice cream in here? And he's like, yeah, man. That's all you said to him, though. Yeah, but I just wanted to, like, get a, get a good eye contact, see the cone. You know, see, you know, it was a waffle cone. Soft serve or scoops? It looked like scoops, Steve. Wow, it's, that's brave. Yes, and it was scoops. Because I did see them. I saw someone else was also getting ice cream when I walked in. 10 o'clock at night, though, Steve. And we got people ordering ice cream. That's a hell of a snack. And he was not with anyone. Maybe maybe does this go against it? Even though it's public, he wasn't with anyone. He was he didn't expect to, let's say, have a have someone come up and approach him with a curiosity of ice cream. I'll tell you what, I think I might get soup in public tonight and uh, I won't get ice cream in public, but I might go buy some cones. So I have ice cream almost every night. Little bowl. Cool it down late. And I'm not ashamed to say that. So I don't know what the whole deal was with it's not manly, but cut it out. Everyone gets to enjoy themselves. The soup thing is even more ridiculous than ice cream, though. It's completely ridiculous. I'm not. I, we barely mention that because it's so <laughs> stupid about how, as a grown man, you're not allowed to slurp and freaking blow on the spoon. You're allowed to eat soup. Those are the Cofield Company rules. Follow our rules, not some Yahoo who's just trying to bust on people's chops. We don't do that. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, did you get a chance to take a look at the UNLV schedule? So I mentioned before uh, Steve Alford came on a couple minutes ago, oof, right out of the gates, UNLV at Houston, home Utah Tech at Kansas, two of the first three games, Big 12 teams on the road. From what I did see, because Danny and I were talking about it a little bit, they're going to be looking good in conference, though. When it comes to road, they, the road schedule doesn't look as tough this year. Road schedule at Utah State, at Oregon State. I don't know if that's going to be easy. They have a coaching change. At Hawaii, they're going to be improved. They should be favored UNLV, should be in that game in a small stadium. And then at San Jose State, who's also going through a coaching change. All right, it's workable. Yeah? It's workable. That trip to Corvallis will be tough, though. Is it, Steve? We're going to have to see how the Pac-2 performs against the Mountain West competition. I mean, I already kind of planted my flag on that one on uh, Mountain West football respectability that 
both Wazoo and Oregon State are not going to roll through this conference, and they—that's right—probably be more in that like second, third, or fourth area. They won't play. I think they're one short of playing the same amount of games, but whatever. And they're not eligible for the Mountain West Conference title game. But uh, yeah, the uh, the schedule as it goes at Houston, Utah Tech, at Kansas, Fresno State, Syracuse, then at Utah State, at Oregon State, home Boise, at Hawaii, home San Diego State, also a program with a regime change at San Jose State, and then everything wraps up at home against Reno. Thanks to Stadium Swim and Circle Las Vegas for hosting the show today. Remember, big Golden Knights viewing party is going to go down here with the game at Buffalo, 4 o'clock start. JVT and Lindsey Brown will be on the scene. It is going to be at the Overhang Bar right above Circus Sports. So fantastic time and a chance to win a lot of cool prizes. 4 o'clock on Saturday with ESPN Las Vegas. Thanks, Damon.